Is it wrong to suplex a small dog? I would say it's probably wrong to execute any type of wrestling maneuver on a dog. What if it's attacking you? If it's attacking you, I would try and disengage first before suplexing you. Like, like, let's say it was lunging at you, like, like, you know, like it jumped, like for your jugular, right? And then, like, in a, in like, I don't know, like a fluid motion, you dropped it with a DDT. How big is the dog? I'm thinking bulldog. I mean, mm. I know they don't jump very often because they're lazy shits, but. As I say, I don't think a bulldog's jumping up toward your jugular, so I'm gonna say we probably shouldn't do that. Okay, well, let's. If it's like a German Shepherd. I don't think you're going to be able to suplex it. It's probably going to be too heavy. What's what I'm saying? What if I drop it in a DDT? The DDT, the German Shepherd? Yeah, like the German Shepherd. I feel like you can grab hold of its neck, I guess. Yeah, because like, it's it's lunging with its head, right? So if I use my momentum to drive its head into the ground. I don't think this is anything I want to put on record, so we can move on if you want. What if it's like a, a specifically Nazi <laughs> German Shepherd? <laughs> or a racist dog named Sheriff? Uh. Anyway, this is now entering the Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, here? right. It's not no holds barred. Excuse me, mm. my mistake. But dogs are on my mind. Dog, like DMX, the late DMX. I always think about him at Christmas time because he had the great Christmas songs that he sang that time. What? What on earth are you talking about? You never heard DMX with the uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? I don't think so. Oh, it's worth checking out. He was like on like a guest on some radio show or whatever, and he uh, sang it, and he did it like in full DMX rap style, and it's really good. I've never heard anyone be like, you know, I it's Christmas time. Really <laughs> on my mind is DMX. Well, because he passed away, and I always like usually see that video pop up during this time of year with him singing. So right, did he die on Christmas? Uh, I don't believe so. No, he passed away earlier this year. Oh. Is he the guy who sings uh, Where We At and Who We Be? That is him, yep. I remember those from Raw commercials. Yes. Hit who singles, we Where We At and Who We Be. That's right. But we're not talking about DMX today. Uh, instead, for um, – well, I guess it's, we, we spent the last three episodes dealing mm-hmm. with The Undertaker. So three full episodes on The Undertaker now entering the Royal Rumble. And it's almost a relief – to just be dealing with one guy, one episode today. You feel that makes you feel better not having to have being jump around like with fifty five rumbles for a guy. Uh, yes, yes. However, this individual, um, he sticks around a lot in these Royal Rumbles. Mm-hmm. So I think he got like I, I want to say he might have this. I'm, I'm almost positive he has the same amount of time in the Rumble than the Undertaker. That's pretty wild because he's in probably, what, half total? Yeah, he's in half. That's right. Yeah. All right, look, let's just break it down and get into it. Now entering the Royal Rumble. Him in 91. 
Now, was this his return? No. He had been back, I think, in September or October. Okay. He's definitely, like, on, like, the October MSG, I think. But he hadn't done a lot on, you know, he wasn't, like, in any feuds or anything. I think he was just kind of doing the, like, comeback squash tour on TV pretty much at this point. Yeah. Um, so no, he hadn't really been doing much, but he, yes, he had been back. This wasn't like his first match back or anything like that. Now for you, cause you, you kind of joined up a little bit after the British Bulldogs, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So was there, when he showed up, shows up here, is there any like, oh, it's like, it's like a, a watered down version or were you excited to see him? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I was excited to see him. Like, I only remember him from, I guess it would have been like tapes that I rented after because I had never really seen them at all, like live. So right. whatever events I had watched in this, you know, I don't know even know how much I would have rented because this would have been less than a year in. So maybe like, I, did, I know I went like on a binge, but I don't know how quick that was, you know, so I was probably aware of him coming back. So to me, it was just exciting to see another big dude back in there that seemed over and pretty good so i can't say i probably had much reaction either way i wasn't like oh like this is what he looks like now like to me he never was anything really before yeah i guess i wasn't like upset that he was there and i didn't think it was gross <laughs> like oh look at this fucker no i just meant like oh he's a solo guy without dynamite it's not the same that's more what i meant like yeah I was, this like, is what he is now i just remember hoping that the team was coming back right like right. that's that's kind of my experience with it um so he comes into 1991 Enters at number 14, so right in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. And did you notice when he was running to the ring that his arms barely move? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i guessing he either can't or maybe he just lifted and, like, he was sore, something like that, maybe. <laughs> Do you think it's wise to lift before <laughs> going out for a 40-minute performance? If you're going to look that big and swole, I mean, you're going to be getting the workout in, so. I guess. He, uh, but, yeah, his arms, I don't I don't know how much uh, dexterity he had at this point because he is massive. I mean, he was getting – the Bulldogs were obviously big, right? I yeah. mean, they were juiced up. But he's, like, super juiced up here, like, super, super juiced up. Well, they were big, but they still look small in comparison to the main event guys as the Bulldogs. Right. 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 And now here he is completely – warrior hogan level of like jacked monster superhero he's just short i don't know does he come across as short to you even on this yes like i feel like i never felt that way in this run like i i felt that way because but maybe i didn't have the bulldogs tag run like to cloud it a little bit because you knew they were short Mm. and i feel that way later when he kind of cuts the hair and everything but oh. I don't know, during this run to me with the braids and the white tights and being all juiced up, like I never looked at him and was like, oh, this guy's a short guy. Because I don't think he was ever really in there with like, I mean, I guess he's in there with the warlord, but he's like massive. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't, yeah. I don't know. He, he like, they don't really put him in there with anyone that would like tower over him. No, but I think, I think in a match like this, I mean, I'm not saying it's like a bad thing. I'm not saying like he shouldn't be pushed because he's a vanilla midget or whatever, you know, but like I, I did notice it watching this that like, oh, like, because I, I, I think the opposite. See, I think in this, in this Royal Rumble, he's in there with uh, uh, The Undertaker, Crush, Hawk, Animal, uh, Hogan, uh, Earthquake, all these guys, right? So Mm -hmm. by comparison, he looks a little short. And when you're talking about later, when he cuts his hair and whatnot, I find by that point, the main event scene is not the the giant scene that it is now. So it, it didn't, it wasn't as shocking then. It was like, oh, okay, he fits into this more. Not that he didn't fit in here. But I just, I, I guess I was just a little bit, I don't want to say shocked, but 
a little right. bit surprised that oh, like it did pop me, like oh, he is pretty mm. short here. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just never really made the hair. <laughs> this is so <laughs> the much long hair. braids. Help. But, but he does get a good pop. Yeah, um, and, and he goes right at the hammer. And Piper is like all in. Number one, he screams, "Representing the good old UK!" <laughs> and then he declares, "This is where the rumble starts." Right now, it starts here because of British Bulldogs. That's no. like a very Mike Tonight thing to say. Right. Oh, you have to bring him into this. Mm. <laughs> um, he also kills Rick Martel when he first gets in there. Yeah, he tries to just shove him right out and like mauls him. So he goes right at kind of the two big guys that are going to be the stalwarts of this rumble hammer and Martel as he comes in. Yeah, and then right away, too, after Hercules. And as I was watching this, mm-hmm. like, do you think that would have been a fun little feud? Him and Herc? Like, a good Herc, though. Yeah, a good Herc, which doesn't exist at this point. I mean, this is like Herc's final moments of being passable uh, as part of Power and Glory. But yeah, if you gave me heel, like, 88 Herc against Bulldog, I I could get with that. Do you think that'd be a better feud than the Warlord? I I, I don't think I could do that, because I think the chemistry between those two guys just, like, (laughs) just came out of nowhere and works out pretty well, so I don't know if anyone that's not like at a certain skill level would have been better fit for him in that year. Right. Fair enough. Even like the Mountie or something, I don't think would have been better for him in that, in that year. Like, you know, I like Jacques Rougeau, but that's not his best work in ring is the no. solos, the Mountie. Right. No. Um, so outside of like worker workers, like Mr. Perfect or something, I think warlords ended up being like the best fit for him and they kind of fell into it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He also decides to crush smash. With, he's just crushing guys with clotheslines mm-hmm. in there too. Before he gets tied up with The Undertaker. Yeah, and then Taker ends up just kind of clawing at him in the corner for a bit uh, and ties him up. But I I found Bulldog always moves with a lot of purpose. Like, he aggressively stalks Martel. He works with Tornado a bunch. He works with Tito. Really going at Martel a lot. He feels like he has a plan in there, which is cool. Like, we don't always get that with these guys, where a lot of times it seems like they get lost. But he seems like he, like, came in with, like, a plan of attack. And even if he didn't, just the way he carries himself in the ring feels that way. Yeah, and I love that he teams with like you mentioned he teams with Tito against Martel. I guess we know like who he picked in the Strike Force breakup. Yes, it's very clear. He's on Team Tito from the start. Uh, it's a lot of forearms though. Yes, there's a whole lot of forearms. And in his defense, there's not a lot of room in the ring. No, <laughs> just too many guys. So much. Um, he also saves Hawk from the Undertaker for some reason. He does a lot of weird saving in this one, and we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be a trend in some of these early ones like they hadn't broken the habit of like like friend friend stuff you know what i mean right um where you're supposed to help the faces no matter what he does get trapped with taker a lot he takes a beating like anytime it happens he kind of alternates up quite a bit from getting trapped with taker and getting hammered to finding his way back to martel and trying to eliminate him like, yeah like oscillates between those two things a lot in between some other stuff the entire time too, I was watching this. Um, I was in the room with my youngest, who was watching Peppa Pig in the background, mm-hmm. and it's really great background for a Davy Boy Smith run. Yes, that's true. No, oh, no. Davy, <laughs> you're gonna go and see Undertaker again. <laughs> um, I think around this, around early on too, there's a nice little sequence where like he jumps Hercules from behind, and mm-hmm. then immediately gets hit from behind by Valentine before he can do anything. Right. And I, I it's such a small thing, but I'm like, this is the kind of stuff that really sells the concept for me. 
Yeah, and when we're watching like we are, which no one else in history does, just ever done. But when you watch it at the level of detail we are, like these are things that start to stand out. Who puts in those little bits of effort to make it feel like more of a, a logical fight than just like ambling around a ring trying to shove guys out? Uh, I did enjoy when he gets the double team by demolition. I thought that was pretty good. He recovers and comes right back at them looking for revenge. Yep. A lot of revenge-based offense by him here. Revenge-based uh, offense. It's a lot. It's a, it's a like he tries to like write a lot of wrongs against him throughout this match. <laughs> he ends up against the ropes and Duggan comes over and just like punches at him, which was random. Like seeing the two of those guys go at it. That's and, and you did you catch that he was pulling his braids? Yes. Like I, I was you think so... there's some backstage issue with these guys. I know there must have been. But I feel Duggan was always the guy to grab shit that like like they always went like like the commentator. The gorilla would always be on IRS about like mm-hmm. when is when is someone going to finally grab his tie. Right. And it ended up being Duggan. So I'm wondering if Duggan is actually some sort of super genius that we haven't given credit for because he actually goes for these things. It's true. It's true. Or maybe he's just a skilled, like, barroom brawler. And when you're that, you know how to scrap and grab for anything you can. I'm going to grab anything. It's in my (laughs) tough guy. So Bullock then hops on Crush's back with a sleeper. So I thought that was cool. Like varied it up a little bit. Yeah. And again, he's just hell bent on Martel. Like he stalks him wherever he can find him. If he sees him, he goes right at him. Yeah. Whoever's in his way, he'll take out to get to Martel. I, I, it's around this point too, that Roddy is like, you know what guys, it looks like a rumble. (laughs) It's rid of a tenayism. Yeah. Um, I, I never liked the braids because I always imagined him turning his head fast and getting hit in the eyes with them. It's a weird reason not to like them. I mean, I thought it was an okay look. Like, he rocked it pretty well. I think it's better than, like, the curly floof he has when he goes back in 94 before he cuts the hair. Like, I think that's his worst look. Hold Is on. that 94, 95? But there's a whole – are you talking about SummerSlam 94? Well, yes, there's that where he's got like Madonna's take a bow look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this, it's not just the hair. He's wearing glasses and a cut off. But even his hair from then until he cuts it, like the Allied Powers run where he's kind of got the longer hair. Yeah. But it's like kind of weird looking. That's my least favorite David Boy Smith look. And then I, I like the crew cut. The crew cut always look good on him. Yeah. I think that's why I always felt he looked, you know, maybe bigger during parts of that run, too, is because of that hair. Because of the hair. The hair made the deal. Um. Yeah, I like the sleeper. And I like, too, that he almost gets Rick Martell out. And mm-hmm. he basically kind of lifts his feet. And Martell's, like, head, it's basically he's doing a headstand on the corner, right. which is such a yep. funny little spot. As I was watching this, do you think Davey was getting set up for an icy run here? Because when Perfect comes into this match, I'm like, wait a minute. They've been pushing Davey. Here comes Perfect. He goes right after him. And I'm curious at all if... The plan was Davey beating Perfect, but then they switched to Brett, and that's why he ends up being in kind of a holding pattern for the rest of the year. I definitely think that was, like, thought about, and because they do fight. Like, I know there's a Coliseum tape in 91 where they fight, and it seemed like potentially Davey was going to maybe be, like, the summer feud for Perfect until SummerSlam. Right. And I wonder if he was like a backup for them, like in case Brett, they decided wasn't ready or they weren't going to pull the trigger. But I feel like maybe he was going to be like the holdover post mania until the Brett feud kicked off in earnest. Because I know they do. I think they do do some house show stuff together. And I know there's definitely a Coliseum video where they have a title match. So 
yeah, I think maybe there was a plan. And at this point, too, in January, like, I don't know if they had already planned on Brett. You yeah. Know? Like, I don't know when that was decided. So, yeah, maybe he was always going to be the post-mania guy, and then they decided on Brett instead. Yeah, because it's not like I don't like the Warlord, because I do. Right. I think he's fine and good, and I like their feud. But it, it is strange that he spends the whole year fighting him. Right. And beats him – I think he beats him every time. Right. Yeah, he wins at Mania. Um, but, but, like, I don't know if they were tied together – all year on house shows too but but on pay-per-view yeah i'm trying to go through graham's site real quick to see yeah like starting in april right after mania it's bulldog and perfect like all of the house shows right they even fight on prime time and then brett comes into the mix at the end of april okay and perfect kind of bounces around between bulldog brett and a couple other guys from there right so it seems like he was at least in the mix and he does do like a circuit with him yeah, they're still fighting like into May and stuff a lot on house shows. Yeah, it's just he's a lot more of the prototypical, right. what they'd be going for. Like I think what you said was was astute. Like I don't, we don't know if they were if they had chosen on Brett yet by this point. Yeah, I mean they're all the way into June. They're still on house shows, perfect and bulldog, and then Brett starts getting more and more involved as we get through June. Right. So maybe they were both on the table at that point, or maybe like I said, it might have just been bulldog was like the filler until they wanted it because i mean the brett feud is a summer slam right so you're not gonna start that in may probably because it's not really a feud it's just brett trying to come up and win the title right so um it would make sense that bulldog was just like the holdover for the house show circuit not to burn out the brett matches before SummerSlam. yeah maybe that's it yeah um it's around this point too that um mr perfect almost gets hogan out and Mm -hmm. davy sprints to save him for some reason yeah, it's just, again, it, I think it's just this weird, and it's his first ever rumble, so I think it's probably something, like, it's hard to break for these guys. Like, they're yeah. so used to face-face, heel-heel, and, like, in other situations, it just feels like he's going to save the faces, where it doesn't make any sense at all um, from a logic standpoint in a Royal Rumble. Uh, I thought he did a good job selling his back. Like, it was definitely weary. He had it pounded a lot from, like, Crush and stuff. Yeah. Um, he had an awesome slugfest with Perfect with a lot of energy after that save of Hogan. Yeah. Which he does repeatedly. It's not just once that he saves No. Hogan. There's Earthquake, too. Times. And yeah. Hogan is just the wrong guy to save, right? Right. Because he'll turn his back on you in a second. In a, in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. He does not give a shit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that goes. But, yeah, he always, um, you know, survives. Like, Quake comes up, comes at him a couple times. He almost takes out Martel, but Perfect makes a save, uh, which was <laughs> weird that time. So, uh, But he's going for that conquest. It's like he wants to win, but also he wants to be the guy to throw Martel <laughs> It seems to be a clear part of his strategy here that right. he has targeted him. Um, it almost makes you feel like they'd be setting them up for some kind of feud if we knew it wasn't Jake Martell. Right. Um, but that marriage seemed it. There's also a weird part, too, where he guards Hogan. Yeah. Not just saving him, but he like guards him, like staying close to prevent him. Uh, and then it almost costs him because Warlord and Quake almost eliminate him, but he hangs on. Well, and it's funny because Warlord comes into the match and goes right after Davey, which, like, right. kicks off their feud. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah like, so he picks up some steam. Uh, he puts Perfect on the top and drop kicks him out. That was a nice elimination. Gets a big pop. To your point, you would think in theory that would be setting him up potentially as a future contender for Perfect. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I love too that when he when Perfect's out, like it's Bobby like perfectly times the towel throw. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's always a great moment. And this is a big elimination. Like Perfect's a big dude to get out of this that this rumble. So like you can see they're kind of getting behind him here. It's clear. And I mean, again, like it was just bad timing because 
they had to do boss man perfect at mania like they've been building to that since october yeah so you can't even like shotgun bulldog into an icy title match at mania yeah and then if the plan was to elevate brett he kind of needs that icy title win to legitimize him so this was a case again like we've seen not as much in the 80s but really in the early 90s you see the glaring need for that summer pay-per-view like it was obvious mm. they needed something between mania and SummerSlam, and this is another case of a guy they probably get a little hose because if there was a pay-per-view in June of 91, yeah, he's... Bulldog probably gets that title match with Perfect. And even if he doesn't win, he's at least in the mix. Yeah. Um, at 45 minutes into this match, Piper says, it's rumble time. Yes. Mike today. Mike today, Piper. Yeah. This whole match. <laughs> Roddy today. Um, then uh, immediately after the Perfect elimination, Haku runs at him and Davey backdrops him out. And it feels like Bulldog found another gear late. Like he gets fired up after that. He yeah. takes out Perfect, takes out Haku. He ends up with Martel, yeah. and this is where Martel makes his fatal mistake. He climbs up, and Bulldog, you know, does what he just did to Perfect and throws him to the floor. So he cashed into that conquest yeah. from all night, Finally. which is a fun through line. It gets a big pop that he's the guy who does it. And for a long time, like, and I think we even talked about this on the Martel episode, like, did was was it earned that Bulldog was the guy and that Martel doesn't make the Final Four and it should have been maybe Hogan, et cetera? But I think it's earned when you when you follow Bulldog through this whole match it's actually a nice little payoff because he was going at him the entire time and he finally catches him. So I, I thought it was kind of a cool payoff when you really follow the bulldog piece. Yeah. I think it was fair too watching it. Like, yeah, I'm not sure where, what I said at the time. I might've been like, Oh, I don't know if it should have been the bulldog, but, um, but yeah, no, it made sense watching it this way. I'm a, I was a little, I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed that it was such a similar elimination to perfect. Right. Like the same yeah, I think Perfect shouldn't have done that because Martel had earned whatever the elimination was going to be. Yeah. And I thought it made more sense for Martel to be the one to make that mistake to go up after all that time. Like, I think Bulldog clotheslining Perfect out would have made more sense. Yeah. And, from just before. and Perfect's good at, like, selling, like, like right. chaos over the ropes, you know? Right. Yeah, he could have taken a big bump on just a standard clothesline. Yeah. And then – after all that, he goes to save Hogan uh, from Nobbs and Earthquake, but then Nobbs and Quake just fucking kill him dead and toss him. Yeah, but he does make the final four. I mean, so this, yeah. this is a great showing. Like, he's got the duration, he's got energy, he's got some nice spots. Yes, it was downtime, but that's that's one of the perils of this rumble. Like, Martel's really the only guy who rises above yeah. all the, the downsides uh, time in this one. But I thought he was awesome at the end where he powered up for one last gasp. It's like he had saved a reserve of energy for if he got this far. And he just chucks perfect. He chucks Haku. He chucks Martel. Like, you know, and then he's all fired up to hit the final four. And his fatal flaw in this match was helping Hogan the whole time. Um, ends up costing him. But I thought it was a nice outing for him to be reestablished as like a top uh, player. You watch this, you're thinking, oh shit, this guy's gonna be real good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I don't think they they stick the landing on that after. Right. But, but yes, this is a this feels like a good launching point for him. Yep. Um, so, uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, we rank these, pr these performances in three categories, presentation, creativity, and effectiveness. Uh, that gives us a total score out of, uh, 60 since we give, uh, 10 points for each, both of us. Um, so for presentation, I'm at a four. I thought they did really well setting him up. I thought he was in there a while. He acquitted himself well. I did think he got lost in the shuffle. Uh, that's, I think that really has a lot to do with. The, the sheer number of guys in the ring. Right. But I've used that to ding other guys in the past, which is why I'm at where I'm at, where I'm at with them. Yeah. So I went with a five. So 
pretty much on par, right? I mean, I'm usually like one ahead of you, but yeah. we have the same concept. So I thought he was presented well as a big guy coming back and some that could be a threat. And throughout the match, he was treated that way. Um, taking out big guys, making the final four, just used well. Yeah. Uh, I'm at a three on creativity. I like, I like everything he did. Um, I didn't have an issue with it. Again, I think he's just a victim of being in this match with too many guys. So he's so limited to what he actually can do. And I found that, like, he's in there 36 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. That's a long run. But I found so much of the excitement of his run was given to the last two minutes. Right. Like, I would have liked to have seen some of that energy a bit earlier on to kind of bump him up a bit. But I think, for me, three in this is still pretty good. Like, it's it's fair. I think I thought he did a good job with the time he was in, but it just didn't rise above for me. Yeah, I mean, so again, same. I went four. Um I thought he worked hard. I liked the power up. I liked the through line with Martel. Like I thought that was well done. And then that he gets to pay off of eliminating him. Uh, I liked some of his power stuff, but you're right. It kind of fell into the same routine a lot with uh, the clotheslines and the forearms. Yeah. And where are you at for effectiveness? Uh, effectiveness. I went with a four. Again, he eliminated three guys. Two of them were big ones in perfect and Martel. He made the final four. He had a good run, a good showing. And he was, you know, a center point of the whole match since he came in. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm in agreement. The only thing I would say, I'd say two things. Number one is I don't think he was a center point of the match. I don't, I, I think for us focusing on him, it's like, oh, he is actually doing a lot in there. Right. But I think if you don't focus on him, he doesn't feel like that important until the very end. Right. The other thing I will say is that he is always the guy. I don't know if you've ever done Sporkle quizzes. Yes, I have. So there's one where it's like the Royal Rumble Final Four, right? Right. And he's always the guy I forget from this run. That he was in there. Yeah. yeah. And and it's funny because I remember Nobs from this run. Maybe it's because it's more of a novelty that Nobs. Made. Well, and it stands out that it's like him and yeah. um, Quake. Quake working together against Hogan. And he feels like the little, you know, guy helping the big guy or whatever. Yeah. Like it, it, it's just to me, this is always kind of the forgotten performance. And because it didn't really springboard him to like, I mean, he, he ended up in a feud with a warlord, which is good, but it didn't really, really, didn't really propel him forward. That's where I'm at. I'm at a three with it. Okay. So that gives him a total score of 23 points, which lands him in a tie with Shawn Michaels, 1992, Randy Savage, 1992, Bret Hart, 88, The Undertaker, 2008. I don't know. What do you think? I think Michaels and Savage are ahead of him. I think he's ahead yeah. of. I think he's ahead of the Undertaker. I don't know about Brett. Yeah, I think I'm good with that. But where do you want to put him vis-a-vis Brett? I guess below. Yeah, Brett really did sell that concept, right? Yeah. So that lands Davy Boy Smith from 1991 as the 41st greatest Royal Rumble performance of all time. <laughs> not bad. That's really not bad, considering as of right now, we're dealing with 175. So 41st is is pretty darn good. Top, yeah, top quartile easy. Yeah. Now, while we're, while we're stopped before our next one, 
what's going on sometimes at the North South Connection Podcast Network? You know, I want to give you a Christmas gift, Aaron. I want you to tell everyone what's going on. Okay. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of keep stuff. Keep it light. You can keep it light. It's okay. All kinds of stuff dropping every single day. Um, shows that range from, from insanity like this, where we're breaking down every performance in the Royal Rumble, to looking back on the ruthless, aggressive era, to uh, going back to the new gen era, to pay-per-view reviews right after they come out. Um a backdrop on ECW. There's all kinds of fun stuff going on each and every day. And again, I'll mention what I love about our content is that everyone on board is so dedicated and everyone's so fun to listen to. So whether it's Jake Williams, whether it's uh, whether it's Trauma, whether it's Pratt, whether it's Marcus, whether it's Tim, not the tool man, uh, D'Amato, Jenny Smith. Uh, God, I'm leaving people out and I'm not even meaning to. Johnny C and, and Ryan Gray bringing it with their uh, WCW must die. There's just fun stuff going on every single day. I think it's worth your ears. If you if you give it a chance, um, I think you'll, you won't be disappointed. And, and thank you for sticking with us throughout the last uh, two years almost. My God, two years. Crazy, huh? Yeah. One fast years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, why don't we jump ahead to 1992, where the British Bulldog enters number one and gets a big pop. And it's a good choice, I thought, to kick this off. It's a, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement comes out. Um, Bobby and Gorilla talk up his big Samovar Trophy win yeah. uh, when he won the Big Battle Royal in England in, in uh, October. So they hype him as a threat with that. And he has been a guy with a lot of success with last year, too. He won one of the 40-man Battle Royals like on primetime or whatever. It was in the magazine. So they've really worked to establish him as a – a battle royal style threat. Yeah, he's he's uh, yeah, he had a, he won a great few with the warlord, <laughs> won every match. Um, he looks freaking great in the cape. I love that cape that stuck to his arms. Right. Love that. And I, I mean, we're gonna talk about this later on, but we won't talk about this part. Just that Bobby's already losing it before he even enters. Yeah, he's already like Come on. on crazy edge uh, come on know. come on <laughs> <laughs> ready to go um and, and so bulldog gets worked over by dibiase right away uh but then he eliminates him so big surprise elimination i thought out of the gate oh yeah and i love it too because like he, ted tosses him but then gloats and davy obliterates him with a clothesline yes just crushes him yeah and at this point it's like when you see him eliminate ted i don't know if you felt this way i mean this one's such a hard one to kind of look back and try to stay objective about, right? But it's like, oh, Davey's a guy who could run this thing for a while. Right. Yeah, it definitely felt like he's going to be the guy that just everyone gets fed to for a bit um, and then runs through. And But yeah. then in comes Ric Flair at three, so no. But you like, do you – it's hard to second-guess anything about this Rumble because it's so perfect. But do you feel that they should have had – like fed him a few more guys to really amp up for when Flair arrives? Or do you think it was more important to have Flair come in early? Like, could you have done DiBiase, Haku, Skinner, and then here's Bulldog at like five when Flair comes in? You could have. Um, you get Sags in there too. Uh, but then you I do like the idea, and, and as this goes forward, as it keeps coming back to Flair and Bulldog. Right. So then you, I, I think you'd lose that maybe. Yep. Oh, and you lose Flair not being in as long as he was. Right. 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 So yeah, I, I mean, sure, I'm sure it would be good, but I don't want to, I don't want to touch this thing. Right. Right. Except for maybe changing some of the guys that are in. It. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, I mean, it's. Well, I mean, look at the roster. There's like only so much you got. It does um, still have our worst yeah. Royal Rumble appearance of all time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so Bullock bullies Flairy, overpowers him. He's really feeling himself. Like Bobby's getting tortured by it. But then we get another. You know, one of Bullock's flaws in these Rumbles continue to be like this one stupid decision that fucks with him. Yeah. So he military presses Flair with reps. And with reps, he could have easily thrown him out, and Flair could have done nothing to stop him. Yeah. Nothing. And instead, he slams him down. Now, you can argue he didn't have the control and balance to walk over and throw him out, but it's shaky. It looks shaky to me. Yeah. Yes. And this is a recurring theme with the Bulldog in these things. Right. Right. Um, and, but he's also just killing him dead with clotheslines. Like, the yes. only way Flair can get any advantage on him is cheating. Just mowing through him, and Flair's doing whatever he can to slow him up. And there's a lot of begging. Uh, like, Flair's been in there a minute and a half, and he's already begging. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, so in comes Haku. Sags. Or Sags. Yeah. Sags and Flair are doubling him up. Yeah. Uh, Haku comes in, and Haku just buries him with a disgusting pile of driver. Yeah. I, I would argue one of the nastiest pure wrestling spots uh, in Rumble history. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before that happens, too, um, Davey tosses Sags out. And then Sags holds on. That's nasty, baby. And Davey hits him with the drop kick. Right. So, like, that's another elimination for him right away. And then you're right. That pile driver by Haku is just it, – it just looks compressed. Yeah, I mean, it really – like, the braids – this where the braids help, too. Yes, yes. I will give the braids the credit here. But yeah. I, here, here's the thing. Again, I imagine on the pile driver, the braids hurt the top of his head. So you think the beads uh, – I mean the beads are lower. You just think the tight braid at the top. Yeah, well, because well, if your head is upside down, right, the, the beads are going to kind of be like on top of your head. And then when your head crushes into the ground, the beads are going to go into your head. I guess. I guess. You have no fear for these beads hurting him. I, I just – I think you're overstating the, the pain of the beads. I think he would – if they were hurting him that bad in these wrestling matches, he would have ditched them. I mean, he has not for years, you know. The next time I see you, I'm gonna whip you with a bead, and we're gonna we're gonna see if it hurts. You can whip me too. We can. We can... Yeah, but you can't. It's a difference from you whipping me from a distance, versus like them being on my head. Like they're not that long, you know what I mean? Okay, so we'd have to like basically either braid your hair or put in some sort of a wig. Right. Okay. Well, we have a project to work on. Let's do that for next year. Yes, yes, yes. The next the next year of no holds barred is gonna be <laughs> us breaking down this. Uh, boy. Um, all right, so we get that going on. We get the pod driver, and, and Bullock has a fun slugfest with Aku, and then throws him out. And I, to this point, he's been the dominant force yeah. in the Rumble. He is owning it. He stays hot. He almost eliminates Shawn Michaels, and then he mauls him. He crotches him on the top rope. He's shaking him around. But again, another whiff. Like, he could have easily just pushed him out. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't. He then takes a nasty low blow from Flair. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> He's choking him. He chokes him with two hands. Flair drops to his knees and low blows him. And huge reaction from the audience. Mm-hmm. And a great sell crazy. from Davey. I, I think to this point, he's getting so much shine. And it's such a highlight of how flawed 1991 was in terms of building guys. Right. Because already by this point where he gets hit with the low blow – I feel like Sean and Bulldog feel more important than like anyone not named Rick Martell in 91. Right. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree for sure. 
he walks around a lot. Ring fills up a lot of time with Sean. Uh, him and Tornado work together just like last year, so yeah. that's kind of cool. Uh, they double up a Repo Man. He battles with Sean again, and then Flair eventually dumps him. So I, I thought it was a good showing that started great, dominant, one of the best we've seen really, but then completely tapered off yeah. as he ends up just kind of dealing with Sean in the corner. So a menace early, chucking guys, tormenting Flair, dominating, and then just kind of fizzles. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I mean, I was really upset. I had to see Nikolai again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the announcers did a good job of putting it like they really kept talking about his longevity. Like not even in terms of like just because it was related to flair, like Gorilla was like, oh, he's been in there 20 minutes. So he was on right. their mind a lot more. He felt more important. Um, and this rumble in general, I feel like they talk a lot about um, time because I think they're trying to get across flair and the record and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. So it does seem to be a focus in general of them in this match. Yeah. Also, when Davey and Tito are um, uh, beating up Flair, Brain declares it's not right. And Gorilla, though, thinks it's fair. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know where that conversation went. <laughs> not fair to Flair. No. Uh, but I, I love, too, as, as even as he's tossed, Gorilla's trying to talk about how he's been in there 26 minutes. Right, right. Like, and 26 minutes, oh, David! Like, his voice kind of goes up as he gets tossed. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought this was a great showing for him. Um, I enjoyed it way more than 91, which I guess was my comparison point. Mm-hmm. I thought they, they they made him look like a killer here, which is what I wish they would have done in 91. Right. I just wish he sustained it more. He's 20 minutes, and by the end, it's it feels like it wasn't what it was. Really? You feel it tapered off that much? Because even though he got caught with Michaels – there was less guys in the ring, and like he he's still like trying to get guys out. He does that slingshot, which is like basically the whole ring for Michaels. Then hits like running clothesline. Like I thought he was just doing more different stuff here. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, my score rec- will show that like I think he was still pretty good. I just thought like it could have been like a real dominant like oh, maybe all timer. I see. Yeah, but that taper hurt it. Yeah, I, I guess that's true, especially when you got the rest of the guys. Like, there were some guys in there that, like, probably didn't need that shine that, like, Davey could have had more of. Like, the Tornado probably, you know, guys like Tornado probably could have right. given up some of that shine for Davey or the Repo Man or fucking Nikolai Volkov, you know? Like, right, right. Like, it was it was more valuable, I think, to Davey. But I, I like the presentation more this year than the year before. I, I really think they, they pushed hard to make him feel like a big deal. I'm at a four for presentation. Uh, yeah, so I went with a five again. Um, I thought he was presented well, same as last year. Felt like a threat, felt dominant, and felt like a big player. No. Um, I liked his work way more this year. I thought mm-hmm. that this this one played to his strengths. So I'm at a five for work rate because I really think – like I don't think he gets a lot of credit for this match, but I think the right. early part – is he's really great in it. And I think it, I think it helps to have flair, have this dude to bounce off of. Yeah. I think, uh, the same, I think it's, he works his ass off. Like it looks really good. He's a, he's a threat, the power offense. I did ding him a little bit though, for some of the stupidity, like, you know, he could have eliminated flair when he had the chance. Yeah. Same with Michaels. Like he's not learning from the mistakes. So, <laughs> um, and it costs him every time. So I, I, I went five better than last year for sure. Yeah. And, um, do you, is there a bit of a disappointment here that this didn't launch him into anything else? Yeah, I mean, from here, he really does nothing until they just decide to make him IC champion because they're in London. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I guess that's why I'm at a four for presentation. I, I thought that he was presented well. He right. eliminated a lot of guys. He was a very heavy focus, uh, not presentation, uh, effectiveness. He yep. was a very heavy focus. He felt like a big deal. So. Yeah. So we gave a I gave a four as well. So. All right. So that's that puts him a bit ahead of ninety one. That gives him a score of twenty seven, and that ties him with only one guy, the Undertaker from nineteen ninety seven. Uh, man, I probably take her above him. I think this is kind of a more memorable from '97. I don't know. I think I'd put him. I put Bulldog ahead of Taker. Well, Taker's one of the final four guys to get the stuff with Vader. Is he better fully? Like, this feels more important. I guess. I mean, he's only in there six minutes versus like twenty. He doesn't. I mean, like. Could you? Who would be harder to replace? I think Taker, because you need the gravitas of him in that final four with that moment. Okay. Like if you put Owen Hart in that moment, it's like it's not, it doesn't mean as much. Right. If you put like Tornado in this opening stretch, I mean, I don't know if that's even fair. It's, I think Bulldog was above him in the pecking order at this point. I'm trying to think of someone similar to him. Yeah, I mean, if Brett was. <laughs> yeah. But Brett wouldn't have the same uh, intangibles that Davey has. Right. Okay, well, that's fine. We'll leave put Undertaker ahead of him. That leaves David Poy Smith, 1992, as the 30th best Royal Rumble appearance of all time. Okay. Will this be his yeah. ceiling? You would think. Probably not. But You'd think. it seems like we're going to have a big divergence coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to 1995. This time he comes in number two. Uh, he came off kind of a softer turn in late 94, showed up at SummerSlam, kind of was in like that tag feud with Brett against Anvil and Owen for a lot of the fall. He's a big part of the title match of Survivor Series, but here he's lined up for a big spot in statement. It's a very weak field. He's a guy that's definitely probably one of the top four or five contenders for this Rumble, and he shows off his power early again, just like in 92, throwing Sean around with these. It feels like at any moment he could end his run, and again, he kind of doesn't when he could have. No. Um, were you a fan of the uh, shorts that he was wearing? Uh, again, no. I, I think I always liked the pants. But then I do like the shorts later in like 96, 97. Well, I, I like, guess maybe it's like more bike shorts. So yeah, no. I don't like the bike shorts. And what about the jacket he was wearing? Why Why does his jacket only go just below his pecs? <sighs> I don't know. Was he trying to like bring in the crop top early? I guess. Were the crop tops big yet then? I mean, they're always big, but usually not for men. Right. 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 Uh, but yeah, you're right. Huge press slam on Michaels. Do you find the ring sounds different in this era? Uh, you think it's like looser? I think it's just like louder, like a tack, yeah. more of a tack. For some reason, right. I associate like a, a a sharper ring sound with like the mid '90s. Right. But Eli. Well, either way, yeah. Eli Blue uh, beats the, him up. Yeah, so Eli comes in, but he throws him around with ease. He's just like strong and effortless in this. I thought he had a great clothesline to knock out Jimmy Del Rey. He's kind of holding court on one side of the ring. Sean owns the other side of the ring. Uh, Bulldog makes his way back to Sean. And they keep crossing paths, uh, but spend a lot of time apart. You would have thought they would actually bend together more than they were. Um, but Bulldog's constantly targeted. Like they people know he's a big threat, and he, but he keeps fighting through, fighting through, and overpowering. Yeah, I mean, he trades some weak forearms with the garbage man, 
Then he gets double teamed by Drosy and the Barbarian, which is a crazy team up. Um, and I feel that he always gets Michael. This should we talked about his fatal flaw, but in this one, whenever he does get to Michaels, he's got him up in the air and then never throws him. Right. Like he just constantly just slams him down. Yeah. Um, yeah, he eats. He gets beat up by Quang a bit. He gets double teamed by Sione and and uh, Tom Pritchard of all people. Again, there's just nobody in this rumble. And then the bulldog, the bulldog tosses Owen off camera mm-hmm. as Timothy Well comes down. Was Well's entrance more important than Owen's exit? <laughs> To Kevin Dunn, apparently it was. I don't think they realized how quick the Owen thing was going to be, maybe, because that's like the running joke here, right? Owen, because Brett attacks Owen in the aisle, because Owen fucked up a title match earlier, and then Bulldog just takes him out like right away, as because Owen's like all shook when he comes in. And I, I, I think that's one of the big misses of this Rumble is that they waste him and Backlund yes. doing this because they wanted to get over the Brett stuff, but, but he does eliminate Owen to a big pop, and it's a cool spot when they reshow it. Um, Pritchard comes in next and he's just dominating him too, but then we're just back to him and Sean. Um, they actually team up to kill Luke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, usual shit showing for Luke. Um, and then they reset midpoint, you know, they've been the Kings of the first half of this match and they work together a couple of times. Again, King Kong Bundy comes out, they work together on him and Bullock keeps hanging on. Yeah. Bundy just lays on him on the ropes. He tries to body slam Bundy to no avail. And at this point, Vince says, who could possibly body slam King Kong Bundy? right has he never watched his own product (laughs) who could do it in 1995 maybe is what he meant michaels and him then get out well what about lex luger who's still Mm -hmm. michaels and him then get out of the way for the real main event mabel and bundy yes that's the big showdown of this match for sure yeah uh but yeah lex does come in him and bulldog work together which is kind of cool foreshadowing of their team to come they try and take out sean i liked bulldogs i feel like he's always forward moving in this match like no matter who's against him he's always going at them he never lays back really he's like constantly just bringing the energy and fight like he knows this is such a good opportunity we get a good tease where he's hanging by one foot tied on the ropes and guys are just pounding on him see i feel the opposite i feel he's just kind of standing around the whole time really no i feel like he was always coming at guys like i I feel that he's kind of just lost in the shuffle lost lost Mm. lost like until he gets to michaels then he'll do like a a delayed suplex and it'll look good but then he doesn't throw him again right and i find by like the midpoint where he's like he's getting beat down by henry godwin and pam anderson looks bored they've barely talked about him like right. the, the announcers are barely talking about him. Instead, like Vince is like, oh, Henry Godwin. Like, he's just so happy about the hog farmer, but nothing about Davy Boy Smith. Yeah, it's true. But in a way, it, maybe it felt like they were setting off to win, you know, <laughs> like because it's almost like the opposite, like where no one's talking about him, then he's going to win the match. But I don't know. I, I thought he was – I like that he was always going at – I thought he was always going at guys, and it felt like he was always in control of the match constantly. Mm. I feel it feels a bit similar to 92 too in that, like, he's getting a push, but they clearly don't have any plans for him after. Right. Which is weird. Well, that seems to be his whole career, honestly, <laughs> other than, like, 96. Yeah, right. Where they have a couple months. But, I mean, I, I do – Vince does hype him up being in late. Um, You know, Bulldog works with Lex again the whole way right till the end. He survives a double team from Crush and Sean. He eliminates Crush. Those are the final three. And then we kind of back to where we started. One and two, one and two. This is the first time that's ever happened, even though it's a shorter rumble, obviously. But the crowd is hot for it. And then, of course, we get the all-time classic moment where Bulldog pummels Sean into the tees uh, where we think he wins. His music even starts, but Sean does the one foot, one foot, one foot and comes in and dumps Bulldog. 
out, which <laughs> it's hard to blame for this one because it looked like his Sean was out. I guess he could have made sure and punched him in the head or something, but yeah, continues to be his flaws that he doesn't finish guys off. But I, I mean, I personally thought it was a great showing him and Sean own this match. A lot of big power spots. They're always bringing the fight the whole time. He showed stamina. He never looked worn down. Um, I thought this could have jolted his run if they decided to. Yes, it's Sean's rumble, but they needed a guy like this to guide through the sea of lackluster competitors. So, like, if they didn't have him or Luger do it, like, they didn't really have anyone else. So I thought Bulldog was important from that standpoint that he was a believable challenge and contender. So it didn't look like Sean running through a bunch of scrubs. Like even at the end, he still had to go through this mammoth bulldog who also did what he had just done and lasted the whole time. I think what's going to color all my scores and why we're going to have a divergence is because the match for me sucks. Right. I think this match is terrible. I think it's a terrible match. I think it's horribly laid out. I think the action is boring and He's in it the whole time and is a focus of it the whole time. So I think for that reason, it's like on one hand, I want to give him credit for certain things. But on right. the other, if the match is bad, then, you know, how, how good can the performance be? Right. Um, like so like for instance, like I, I never believed for one second that he would win this thing. Like not, not, not for, even when he won it. I remember watching yeah. it at the time thinking like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, so that's, so, <laughs> but that's the case for anyone probably right in this match. Yeah. And, but, but that's just it. Right. Is that it's, it's not necessarily the guy's fault. They, sh- you're up, they should have had Owen. They should have had Backlund. They should have brought back Razor. They, they, there's a lot of things they should have done to kind of make it seem like less of a foregone conclusion. Right. But I don't think they did enough. But I don't think that's against him, I guess. That's my, where I diverge. Like, I, I thought they did everything they could, and he did everything he could to present himself as a threat. Yes. It's just that in the build to the Rumble, they did nothing for him to get there. I, I agree. I, like, so, so, like, so I'm at a four for presentation, right? So it's like I never believed him as a threat, and it's you're right. It's not necessarily all his fault. Right. Um, but, but the reality is, is that's kind of the the presentation the way it was for me, right? I had him at a seven. I'm gonna come down to a six. Um. Based on what you're saying, I still think it's I had him at a five the last two. I think he's presented stronger here than there, um, because even in 91, like there's no chance he's winning against Hulk Hogan. Right. right. Um, and in 92, he's in too early. He's not going to go the whole way. Um, but here it did feel like maybe I mean, yes, it was Sean's rumble. But if there was anybody else in this match as it went on that could have maybe done it and then did some kind of twist, it was him throughout the match. Like To me, it wouldn't have been that crazy to do you know, him and Diesel. I, like, I, I mean, obviously it wasn't, nothing was going to not be, it was going to be Sean and Diesel yeah. no matter what. But like, I think Bulldog or Luger would have been the next two believable guys. Like it wasn't going to be Owen. I mean, maybe Backland, probably not. But, um, so I do think that there's some level of strong presentation and they have him match Shawn Michaels, who's like the guy that's going to win this. He does the same thing Sean does, except he doesn't win, but he goes bell to bell, eliminates a ton of guys. And um, not a ton, but, you know, decent amount yeah. and and last the same exact time. Yeah, he matches the winners, but as best he could. So, like, they obviously presented him well. Yeah, I, that's it. I, I mean, I don't think they presented him poorly. I just don't think they presented him amazing so that to, to bump him up further than a four for me. Uh, now, <laughs> creativity is where we're going to differ, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I went a five. I had him equal to the year before. Like, I just... 
uh, you know, he did a lot of power offense. He did a lot of consistent forward movement. Like I said, he had some eliminations. He had the stuff with Owen where he throws him out right away. He keeps coming back to Sean. And he's in, you know, longer. And again, like he, and I, I felt like it was equal because the other one, 92 tapered off. And this one, he had to fill more time. And I didn't feel like there was as much of a drop. So I'm at a two. Um, but so how I rationalized it was that I thought he was substantially less interesting than Michaels in this match. Right. Um, and I gave Michaels a four in this match because I think the, for all the reasons, I think the match is bad. And I think that Mike, I don't want to say Michaels is lazy in it because he's in there 40 minutes. Right. But like, there's something missing like that. Even, even when you compare Michaels to 96, Oh, like he feels way more energetic in that one. Right. Right. So I went at two because again, I think the match is bad. I don't think he did enough to Mm -hmm. elevate the match. And I think the things that made the match special were not about him. They were about Sean. It's like, we talked about that classic moment at the end. Well, like, that literally could have been anyone else. No, but it wouldn't have been as earned because Bullock had been so dominant in the whole match, eliminating guys, lasting the whole time. It was more of an earned moment that it was him. If, like, Crush clotheslines him out, like, it's not the same. I think the crowd was into Bullock because he, he was the other most over face. Besides, and I'd argue he was more over than the Luger in this match probably. So he's probably the most over guy besides Sean in the match. So I think him doing it with that music, that celebration, like – it felt way more earned than if like some other rando had done it. Yeah, I don't know uh, because I think that that mo- that that moment is so contingent on Michaels. Like, but you're, yeah, you're, I, I you're, you're, you're not you're not wrong that like in the context of the match, it's more earned. You're not wrong about that. All right, well, that's what we're talking about is the context of the match. Yes, but but again, like it, it's not like I don't give Bulldog credit for that moment. Like, well, I do because he if he hadn't been the guy in that position, it wouldn't have meant as much. But I don't think it meant that much. I think what we remember when they show the highlights of that, they don't show Bulldog. They show Michael. Sure, they do. They show him celebrating on the rope, the music playing. Yeah, they do. Very. They rich. do the one foot, one foot, one foot. But he's definitely the guy that gets tossed. Yeah. I just think it doesn't mean as much if it's not like the guy who had dominated the match with him that had like name value and cachet that was believable enough to eliminate Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I guess I just don't think it means. I don't think that moment means anything except for the one foot, one foot, one foot. What'd you have for effectiveness? Uh, two. So I went six here. Eliminated four guys. He goes bell to bell. He's number two. He's in at number 29. I thought he was a guy that helped carry, you know, was the, one of the bellwethers of the match. Kept coming back to him and Sean. I, I just, I, I, I'm not going to bag on him because they decided to do 30 minutes and they had a junk roster. Like, I think he did everything he could to help carry this along. When you look at the level of guys that were around him. Yeah, I would agree. I just, again, if the match isn't good, I, I don't I don't feel he was particularly effective at making it better. Maybe if he wasn't in it, it would have been worse. That's probably that's, that's possible. Uh, but like even with all these jobbers in the ring, only eliminating four, he's in there 38 minutes. Again, these are all accomplishments. I don't think he was garbage in the match, but right. it just didn't click for me at all with him. All right. So that's the total score of with my downgrade is 25. So that ties him with The Undertaker 91. The Undertaker, 2003. Shawn Michaels, 2006. I'm okay. I mean, you're going to have him last. No, I'm okay putting him ahead of all of them. Yeah, because I mean, well, I do like Taker 91. Okay. I'd put him, I think I'd put him below Taker 91. That's fine. All right. Taker 91 is really good. That was like a seminal moment for him. Yeah, I mean, he, he felt like a big deal. and. 
I think I, I'm fine putting him ahead of the other two. Like, Sean 06 is whatever. Take Row 3 is kind of – it's good, but it's kind of forgettable. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's – so because we talk about how, like, Brock's, Brock's win means more because he threw out Taker. Like, you, I guess you'd make the argument that Sean's win means more because he eliminated Davey, who earned it in the match. Right. Yeah, I think it's – I think they're similar. It's just that Taker came in last, and he's living off a of name value versus the right. in-ring. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, jump ahead a year to 1996. Uh, complete opposite now. He comes in at 29. Yeah, so. late. Late run for Other him. Other end. Not much of a reaction either. Um, it's a good draw, though. It's in the middle of the main event picture. He had just fought Brett in your house five, so he's definitely like a player at this point. Yeah, with the uh, short hair. Yeah, short hair, so he's looking good. And the tight. He's, he's, he's a decent threat, too, given his Rumble history coming in at 29. He's been in the title mix, so... Not that crazy that he could maybe win this and fight Brett at Mania, right? I mean, again, nope. it's he's kind of screwed that these two years where he's probably his peak, you know, powers that he's stuck with Sean's two stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's unlikely like she was Sean was going to lose either of these, but again, he's maybe one of the uh, other than Diesel and Sean, he's probably like the third most believable potential guy given his ties with Brett and the title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I they show that bitch Diana right away. Oh, that hair was awful, too. Oh, God. And that shirt. Just nothing was working there. No. Tough night for Diana in, in California. <laughs> uh, he dumps Mike Gennetti right away. Goes after Diesel and Sean. The ring whittled down quite a bit for him. He's right into the final six uh, immediately. He actually goes on the floor and fights with Sean until Owen comes out and helps. You know, Owen comes on the back. And they double-team Sean. So they, this is just part of them doing everything they can to add drama to Sean coming off the head injury. Like, just all these different beatings he takes. Vader and now these guys trying to do whatever they can to take him out. Now, that he does that big press slam on Sean and, like, crotches him. Did it look to you like he almost dropped him? It did. And so maybe that's why he struggles. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, and Diesel almost takes him out. And um, Diesel actually saved Sean this time. So maybe Bulldog was going to learn and actually finally eliminate Sean. But that damn Diesel got in the way. Uh, if he drops him, he's in major trouble, right? Right. Big time. <laughs> like, the big push is clearly on. Um, but he makes the final four, and he ends up getting Shawn Michaels over the top, but HBK slides back under his legs, clotheslines him out, and it just feels like him and Michaels going at it for a second year in a row, but in the end, kind of a, a whole lot of nothing in this one. Yeah, not much at all. He gets one elimination, some brawling. It's tough. Like, I... A late draw is good in kayfabe, but when you watch these matches and we're doing this kind of rating like we are, it's like it's actually kind of a death knell for your scores. Yeah. Like because you just don't get a chance to do much. So unless you win or do something super memorable, you're just not going to get a lot of time to showcase what you got going on. So I thought this was definitely his weakest to date. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I thought that it's the weakest he's been presented in a long time too. He's only in there three and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm at a two for presentation. They didn't like as much as like I think we look at it and say, well, he was just with Brett. He he uh, it, it could happen. Like it all seems plausible. I don't feel that was the image they were putting forward of him as he entered into the match. Yeah, I mean, I just went three. Like, again, one ahead of you, so that's usually where we fall. But I, I think yeah. he was presented fine as a guy that's uh, believable enough to be with the final four. You know, third behind Diesel and Sean for sure during this little stretch. But a guy who's sneaky and wily enough as a heel that maybe he could pull some subterfuge and pull this out. Um, so, yeah, the weakest he's been presented, which is crazy because this is actually in the middle of his world title run. Right. Um, but that just has to do, again, with him coming out late. And not getting a lot of time to do. Look, for me, too, uh, his work was – there was mm -hmm. nothing there really to work nothing. with. Yeah. I'm at a one. I'm at a me one too. for effectiveness. He wasn't in there Same. long enough to do anything. 
Yep, same. Again, it's it's a struggle for guys that come in that late. It's just they don't unless they win or make a big moment. It's they're not going to get much done. So one's one's across the board for me too on those two. Exactly. So that gives him a score of nine, which ties him with. <laughs> just put him ahead of these people. Uh, okay. Jim Neidhart, nineteen ninety. Marty. Jeanette. That's all I need to hear. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's fine. Okay. We got a lot of there's Dino Bravo eighty eight in there. So that lands him as I'm the... confident he's above Nightheart 90. That's all I needed to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, st- that's how we should deal because because we're starting to get into the realm of there right. being like a lot of t- like tied with a lot of guys, right? Yeah, we just go one by one from now on and say like, is he better or worse than this one? If it's yeah. worse, then we go down the list. All right. So that lands him as the 113th best Rumble okay. Sprints of all time. Uh, but he's back the next year. No break here. He is 1997. He's in an eight. So back to being early, and he gets Steve Austin alone. And this, of course, I feel like he's always. The guy, like, with the other guys rumble. Like, in 91, yeah. it's him and Martel. 92, it's him and Flair. You know, 95 and 96 was him and Sean. And now it's him dealing with Austin. Like, he's always immediately the fiddle to the, you know, guy who owns the match. Yeah. And he, st- he stomps Austin down. JR talks about their big issues, of course. And they had been because Bulldog and Austin kind of were feuding, actually, coming into this. Austin attacked Bulldog at its time during the tag title match. And, like, this was kind of some of the original stuff they had planned before they end up doing the Heart Foundation and all that was for Bullock to end up turning face and feuding with Austin uh, with Owen kind of diming him out and all that. So this this is kind of playing that up. JR also talks about Bullock's successes in the Rumble. So I thought that was good from a presentation point of view. I would agree. I also like that he he's the one who puts an end to Austin's reign of terror. Right. Like Austin had been eliminating guys, eliminating guys, doing push-ups. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that he's in the trunks now too, obviously. Yep. That's a big deal for me. And it's cool because they actually – I find that this is – I mean they were doing Shades of Grey for a while. Mm-hmm. But I remember at this time thinking this particular feud was a really big Shades of Grey moment. It was. He's like super quasi-face at this point. And yeah, there's a lot of Grey because Austin's been very Grey for a bit. And Bullog absolutely is because he's still teaming with Owen, but they're having their problems. Austin's attacking him and not Owen. Like, you know, there's a lot in there. And it felt like they were definitely going to a path that Bulldog was going to turn face if you with Owen, feud with Austin, and work with Brett. Like, that's that's what seemed like it was headed toward before they decided on the Heart Foundation. Yeah, and, like, you didn't see a lot of – like, you, you got face-faces matches sometimes, but you right. didn't get a lot of heel-heel. Right. Especially not heel-heel at this level of the card. Like, they were kind of in the upper mid-card. You'd get, like, the tippy-top, but not, like, the upper mid-card. And that's why I found it was kind of jarring at the time. Yeah, I agree. He does hit a nice power slam on Austin. So, oh, he kills. That's him. cool. Yeah, you don't get to see that a lot. Yeah, he beats in the, the rumble. He beats the crap out of him, um, and then Pierroth comes in, yes. and Bulldog beats him up too. But Pierroth yeah. tries to pin him after a clothesline. Yeah, not good. But he does spike the shit out of him with a spinebuster. Oh yeah, and he controlled this whole segment. Like he looked good again. He looked strong in here. Keeps Bulldog. Uh, Bulldog keeps his eyes on Austin wherever he can. Austin eventually takes his knee out and starts to work it over. Uh, Triple H comes in and well, sorry, not quite Triple H. Yeah, Hunter S. Helmsley comes in and he's working over Bulldog. Uh, Bulldog survives a double team with Hunter and the Sultan. And then he, he uh, does the usual Fatu inside out sell with Bulldog murders him with a clothesline yeah. and then eliminates him. Then he tangles with Austin, but Owen comes up from behind and eliminates him and Bulldog bitches. So again, this. He put me out! He put me out! <laughs> and this, oh, we should also call out, by the way, this is the Ambazar Rumble. So that, that should count for something. Oh, yes. Before the match. Um, yeah, so Bulldog's bitching at him. So, I, again, this seems to be a trend with him. He started really hot, 
but I thought he got boring quick uh, toward the end until the end uh, exit. His presence is a threat. He really owned Austin throughout their whole stretch together. I think he should have lasted longer. Another flaw of this rumble is that I think they take their studs out too quickly. I think he could have lasted more throughout this, um, but it definitely continues to full fully push on, um, you know, being a stud and pushing forward to this stuff with Austin, but falling apart late. Yeah, I would agree. It was so strange when, when Hunter Hearst Helmsley came in, there were five heels in the ring together. It was just them. It was Bulldog, Austin, Pierroth, the Sultan, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And then the only face is Nil Mascaris. <laughs> such, right. a, such a strange period. Um, it's a weird mix, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it ends up being what I think is a really great rumble. But I would agree that there is probably room to to have him in there longer, a guy like Davey. Because he was hot while he was in there, but maybe maybe they maybe by then they knew that he always kind of fizzles out a bit at the end, right? Um, but I thought they did a great a good job presenting him. He felt like a bigger deal than he did the last time we saw him. He did great with Austin. Uh, they pushed their feud forward. I gave him a three, and it pushed it also pushed the uh, Owen Hart feud. Like it felt like he was in the mix of everything. I actually with a five. Like I, I thought this was in line with ninety one and ninety two for him. Like he's a main event guy. He's been in the title mix in ninety six. He's in one of the best biggest feuds with with Austin and with Owen and with you know Brett. Like all this other stuff going on. He's in the mix of that. He felt like a player. And he dominates Steve Austin, who's like the rising top star. So I thought he looked really good. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll bump it up. I'll bump it up to a four. Yeah. For that, I think that's fair. That's a fair. Um comparison where are you at with um where are you at with creativity uh creativity i went with a two so again he didn't get a chance to show too much he had a couple good spots the power slam looked nice but once that fades like it just kind of falls into the same old right yeah i'm the same and effectiveness i'm at a two also just because he's not in there that long he doesn't do that much uh but it does propel a couple of feuds going forward so there's something there agreed I went with the two as well. Effective, but could have been more. And it's just a almost a victim of the rumble, the way this rumble has been booked. Yeah. So that gives him a score of 17. All right, let's let's break it down. Is he better than Earthquake 1990? Uh, probably not. No, even though Earthquake's only in there two minutes. In 90? Yeah. Isn't the one where he like throws out a bunch of guys and then like they do the big elimination spot? Like wasn't he pretty dominant in that one? Yeah, he throws out two guys and, every, and they do oh, the elimination spot. But he's in the, only in there two minutes and thirty one seconds. Who's next after him? Jake eighty eight, and I actually think Jake eighty eight's really important to that match. Yeah, who's next? Smash ninety. Yeah, that's from above Smash. Okay, that's fair. If we were confident in putting Quake above Jake last time, I'm confident we should stick with that. Yeah. So that lands him. Davy Boy Smith, 1997, as the 62nd best Royal Rumble appearance of all time, and I guess that closes the book on Davy Boy Smith. That's it. Yep. The, the Davy Boy Smith we know and love yep. is done there. Nothing else to talk about. Some other husk keep on rumbling. Boy, some other British bulldog husk shows up in 2000 though. Okay. Uh, after he come back in late '99, it was a lot of excitement when he came back. It was like. He had the tights, he's in the title picture, but it quickly, his injuries just pile up and he quickly goes off the rails. As soon as he, as soon as he switches to those jeans, it's done. Right. It's done forever. Now, I'm, I was alarmed that in this match, he didn't spend much time 
fixing the genes. So at least there's that. But this is like their weird trend of having these guys that should not be lasting this long in matches. Just like lay around. We talked about the honky tonk man yep. in 98, like dudes that come back, just have no business. He goes 15 minutes from number 11. Yeah. It's no reaction. A loads on Rikishi, which reignites the issues from 97, him and Sultan uh, that we saw. He does batter him a bit. He ties up a boss man who was another, you know, drain in this fucking match. The two of them go at it. Yeah. Uh, they, they get trapped in a chancery for a while, just in the corner. It's like ugh, Bullock gently lays against the ropes. Again, Grell kind of lifts his leg. <laughs> An awful attempt at elimination. He almost eliminates Edge. Just so much boring offense well, in Meander. It, it's how he keeps doing this thing where he lifts them up onto the ropes and then he puts his face in their crotch. Right. He does it to boss man. He does it to edge. He does it to everyone. What is he doing? He's lazy. He's just, he's cooked, but he's just lazy. I think he's just so broken at this point. His body is probably in so much pain. He's so fucked up that like, this is all he could do. Like it's sad. It's, it's really, it was sad to watch honestly a lot of it, given how big he was and all these other ones. He wakes up a bit when Bob Backlund comes out, but then he quickly walks away um, he joins in the gang that helps dump Rikishi, so something, I guess. Sure. He goes at Crash Holly when he comes in, but just nothing. He holds um, him, so Edge spanks him. Right, that's about it. There is a nice touch where Bulldog steps aside to let the Mean Street Posse come in and do some damage, like their old little alliance from Survivor Series. Yeah. So at least there's something there. Um, but then Road Dog just throws him out. Grab- so I, I those are completely worthless. Yeah, Road Dog grabs him, overpowers him, and tosses him. Imagine being overpowered by the Road Dog. It was awful. It was sad. And, just, and he does nothing besides helping that little bit with Rikishi. Um, and he goes so long and just accomplished nothing. It was it was rough to watch. It was yeah. a sad coda to what's been a really fun stretch of Rumble matches for him. Jim Ross. I did give him a one for presentation because I thought they at least like talked him up a bit. And he had kind of been like he was in the world title mix. He had been in the European title mix. Like this is really kind of the, the end of it for me, for him. But I don't think he was on the end yet. Like I think he was still being used OK coming into this match. I'm at a zero because I don't feel they talked about it. I was at a one. I was at a one. And then the way Road Dog came in and just treated him like garbage, I was like, no thanks. I'm good. Down to zero. Uh, I did give him a one for creativity. Uh, I, I don't know why. I don't know if I could even defend it based on what I just went over. But there must have been something in my head. Maybe it was just like I feel bad because it's the Bulldog and I love him. So right. I give him the one. So I didn't want him in the dregs with Nikolai Volkov and those other guys. Was it the nut punches that he kept doing? Yeah. And, and I, I liked the, you know, I'm going to give him the credit for the Mean Street Posse callback. I thought that was cool. <laughs> all right. Um, do you knock him at all for, because he did help eliminate Rikishi, but that killed yeah. the crowd dead? <laughs> nah, but he was part of that. So I'll give him that too. So I did give him a zero for effectiveness. So I gave him a two overall. Yeah, I'm zeros across the board. So we got to score a two. Yeah. So are we are we going with time here? Uh, yes, that's what we usually do at the at the dregs. Okay. So he's at the bottom then, right? No, no did anyone go on? Sadly. Uh, where is two? Okay. Uh, honky. Why is my cursor keeping me? Um, honky tonk man. Honky tonk man. Nineteen ninety eight is at a two, and he has nineteen minutes. He's better than that. Yeah. That was awful. Haku 1991 has a two at 13 minutes. Yeah, I'd put him after Haku. Yeah. At least Haku looked legitimate <laughs> the entire time he was out there. All right, so where does he land here on the list? Uh, well, out of – so just so we're clear, we with this edition, we are now at 180 um, mm. Royal Rumble appearances. 
and he lands from 2000 at 166. Okay, there you go. So there we go. Uh, so listen, uh, another guy in the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all in all, like it's like it feels like really like two halves. Right. Like great first. Even more than that. Yeah, I guess. Well, I think his other ones. I mean, for you, I guess. But I liked him all the way until the last one. I thought he was good in all those rumbles. Ninety six, even again. Like I'm not gonna absolve him, but I'm also not gonna fully blame him because that's I've factored in a lot of those guys that come in late because they're just not given the time. It's just the structure of the match. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. But then, but but the the flip side of that is it's like you can't reward them too much because there are guys no, that are. But in it's their almost. Life. It's almost like different. It's like <clears throat> it's like blaming a closer for not pitching three, uh, you know, 150 innings, right? You know what I mean? Like they're just never gonna get the chance to do it. It's almost like in a way, anyone who comes in after 25 should be really looked at differently <laughs> than other guys yeah. in the room. It's like a different position completely, you know? Yeah, but then like, can it truly be as great a performance? Like maybe. No, no, it's gonna stand out for sure. Yeah. But again, it's just the con construct of the match more than like anything he did. That's all. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, do you want to go through our top ten uh, uh, performances, individual performances? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All Number right. ten is Rick Martel from 1991. Number nine, The Undertaker from 2007. Number eight, Bret Hart from 1994. Number seven, The Ultimate Warrior from 1990. Six, Hulk Hogan from 1990. I like that those two are kind of still married together here. Yes, hopefully they never break up. Yeah. Uh, number five, Shawn Michaels, 1996. Number four, The Undertaker from 2002. Number three, Shawn Michaels, 2007. Number two, Hulk Hogan from 1989. And the number one has still hanging strong is Shawn Michaels, 2010. Now, this is just to give you guys some context. The top five, so Shawn Michaels, 96 to Shawn Michaels, 2010, are all tied. Mm-hmm. So it's all just been kind of like, which do we prefer at the time? But I think you could probably make an argument for all of them. And and to give more context, they all have a score of 42 out of 60. So there's still actually a lot of room to go here. For sure. Like these have been hanging on for a long time, but eventually we're going to get to guys that are going to crush these guys, I think. We'll see. Yeah. And then we also rank the guys uh, according to a cumulative average of their performances if they've been in three Royal Rumbles. And we got a top 10. And at number 10, knocking out Earthquake, the British Bulldog Davy Boysmith. I think that's earned. Um, yeah. You know, over two hours of ring time, he was very good in most of them. I think it, it makes sense. A, a decent number of eliminations. I think him being in the top ten right now it works. Yeah, 13 eliminations total, so an average of just a little over two per uh, mm-hmm. per, per appearance. Yeah, and, and like when you think of Rumble, like he's, he's always an integral part of the ones he's in. Right, and he was in a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, honestly, he's the third most match time of the top ten overall, actually, of all the guys we've talked about. He's got the third most in-ring time. Well, yeah. After Mike Bowles, who's just ridiculous. <laughs> no one's going to touch him. Him and Taker are going to laugh everyone. But, I mean, he more than doubles Hogan. Well, yeah. And, and look, like, so he's got two hours and six minutes in six rumbles, Davy mm-hmm. Boy. But then Michaels and Undertaker are in 11 and 12 right. rumbles each. Yeah. So, of course. And even he's... He tracks all the Michaels. He's, like, got almost half of his time and half of his rumbles. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind of the, the comp right there. Uh, all right, number nine, Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Mr. Perfect. Number seven, Ted DiBiase. Number six, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Number five, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Number four, the Hitman, Bret Hart. Number three, The Undertaker. Number two, the greatest of all time, Shawn Michaels. And number one, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and, I, you know, I'm glad this list makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it, it looks good. Like, it's no one feels, like, super out of place. And even the guys beneath, it's like, oh, okay. Like, as much as I love Martel, right. I get it. But he's still in the top 15. Dug in, Valentine. Those are guys you think of when you think early rumbles. So, of All right. So it's always fun to do a spotlight episode like that, Aaron. But in our next one, we have a uh, handful of gentlemen yes. uh, that we'll be covering. Uh, so not as in-depth. They'll all have, like, you know, maybe one or two each. But we'll go through the next, you know, five or six guys. Yeah, you are using two weeks the term today. gentleman very loosely. Yeah, gentleman. Uh, so we'll do that in two weeks. And so then, keep on running. Boom.